Hello everyone, welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Alexis Clark and I'm joined today by Steve Sanye. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone both in and out of the field of public health. Today, we're excited to chat with Dr. Nafisa Cisse Ibonye, who is the Public Health Director at Black Hawk County Health Department, a role she's held since 2016. Dr. Ibonye obtained her master's degree in health promotion and behavioral sciences from San Diego State University in 2011, and her PhD in public health education and promotion from Texas A&M in 2016. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So if you want to start us out, Nafisa, tell us a bit about your path into public health, how you ended up in the current role. I saw San Diego on there. I'm from California. How did you end up in Iowa? Why Iowa? Well, I think for me, it goes, um, it stems from my childhood. It's it's not the physical location that makes, makes a place home for me. Um, I came here in um, 1989. I was put on a plane, um, and I was five years old, um, and I land um, in JFK. And then from there, I've lived, and my, my actually, my, my first state in the U.S. was in Illinois. And so I've lived in the Midwest, I've lived um, in the East Coast, Vermont, and the South and the West Coast. So I feel like I'm coming back to my American roots being here in the Midwest. And so again, it's just when I was looking into getting to the administrative side of public health, I just wanted a place that was welcoming. Um, I have two little children. Emmeline is actually born here in Waterloo, but I just wanted a place that was very family oriented and, and a place that would welcome me. And I and that's what Blackhawk County has done. That's wonderful to hear. And with your current role, right, you're the public health director side of things. You've got this tremendous education behind you. What made you consider the administrative side of public health? Yeah, you know, so I've always believed that as researchers, it's it's also important to understand practice. And so my undergrad degrees in public administration and in po- public policy I've always felt that public policy really has an impact on people's lives, the decisions that our lawmakers make. So very early on, I was really interested in public policy. And then um, I took a, a course called Confronting AIDS. And what I really appreciated about the professor is that he didn't he didn't give his perspective. You know, he just gave us scenarios and 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 you know asked us how would we approach this situation. Um, whether it was a policy regarding HIV or AIDS or whether it was implementing programs, he was just very open to to hearing from us students. And, and that's what really motivated me to going into public health. And I, I, I love the course. And so I also minored in community health and I pursued my um, MPH. So during my MPA, I was trained um, as a quantitative researcher. And in quantitative research, one of the things that you know is that the voices of the people also are, are not there. So people are not just numbers, right? They have stories, very robust stories in terms of their journey. The field of practice just kept calling me. And I've always believed that as as students, it's always important to balance your studies with also um, 
practice, like field experience. And so I was always that student that volunteered. I was always that student that was looking for any internship. And so I um, interned with a lot of nonprofit organizations in San Diego, did a lot of volunteer work. Actually, I started most of my volunteer work was around HIV testing. So I got a, a sense. Um, I, I learned how to do that very very earlier on. And then because San Diego is so close to Tijuana, I was able to go there um, and, and see how the, the border relationships between the U.S. and Mexico impact the health of the county, the San Diego County, and what are some of the initiatives that are being implemented there as well. And so it was just always about you know, making sure that whether you're a researcher to really get an understanding of how things are happening at the local level. Um, and, and so that's, that's really why I'm here. So when you talk about acting as the director, how do you intertwine that practice plus the research component? Because sometimes you get folks that aren't understanding one aspect of it. What's your approach to blending that? And I, so I think that's why, you know, my, the PhD comes into place, you know, so reading studies and seeing p-values and understanding what those p-values mean. And especially right now with COVID, you know, there's so much misinformation out there and people are just sending, you know, links of, you know, studies that maybe debunk the vaccine. And so being able to have that research um, expertise, you can actually read the study and explain to individuals why this is not accurate. So even here at the health department, we have um, people, alumni from the University of Iowa. We have Josh Pakora, who's our disease surveillance and um, manager who I work very closely with. He did his MPH in epidemiology. Erin Renke, who's our epidemiologist. And so they're very well trained in, in the field of public health. We look at data, we look at trends, and then we ask ourselves, okay, what does that mean for the general public, right? And how how do we share this information in which it's understood? So that's how it is with also all our other fields, you know, in environmental health, there's a lot of research um, behind environmental health issues, but it has to resonate with people. And so really using terminology and communicating in an effective manner to and 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 really working also with our the different audiences you know oftentimes i think the public health of field is very much like here's the information right but now at the, within this agency we're looking at partnering with the different populations and saying okay here's the information that we have how will this resonate or what can we change like so we're doing this collaboratively so that our messaging resonates with people. When you're talking about the message resonating with people, you know, that's a continual challenge. And we talked about this briefly with Aaron about the idea of there's this information overload, right? That we're all experiencing underneath the pandemic right now. When you're trying to communicate something very tenuous at times, like vaccine adoption or the rollout as a whole or COVID-19 testing, What's your role in creating this message to make sure that it reaches all sorts of folks, right? We've got to account for folks who may not have internet access or English might not be their first language. Where do you play a role in making sure it's an effective message for all? So I think for us, um, what has been exciting is how Blackhawk County, um, we've taken on a health equity approach prior to the pandemic. 
And we also did a communication assessment. So getting a sense of like what people know about the health department and what we do. So all those things were important for us to do prior to the pandemic. So during the, with the COVID-19 pandemic, it's important to have a health equity lens to how you approach things, whether it's disease investigation and surveillance, whether it's vaccination, you always want to ask yourselves, like, who's missing at the table? That has been something very key to how we have been able to reach key populations. And if not, even if we haven't reached them at, the, at this moment, especially with vaccination, they're still part of the conversation. Um, we have biweekly meetings with community leaders from different populations, um, ethnic groups. They inform us what's going on in their communities, what their concerns are, so that we work together to be able to inform everybody in an equitable matter. You know, just last night, I was with the Black pastors. We were on a Zoom meeting. Meeting, and they're expressing to me um, some of their concerns, some of their needs. And so we're, we're, we're working together, you know, in a very collaborative and um, ma- manner. And I think that's what, you know, even for us um, with our different sectors, like the business sector, the healthcare system, the nonprofit organizations coming together um, prior to the pandemic has been key so that you have those relationships already established. It's not during the pandemic, you want to have those, you want to start building relationships, that's not going to work. So it has to always be done prior. That has to be a component of preparedness that we don't often talk about, but it it needs to be there. I think that's a great point. Working collaboratively with those different entities and those different communities is a crucial part of planning. How do you consistently bring the energy and creativity to your role as the director? And where do you ground yourself during difficult times such as these? Oh, wow. That's a great question. So I, I'm a naturally positive person. Um, I believe in positivity. I believe in hope. I, I do, you know, they're, they're very, they're very difficult days. I mean, we've had days where, you know, we've all been exhausted and cried. But I think that you know, public health, um, you you can't lose hope, you know, if you make a difference in one person's life, that's, that's, that's a huge thing, right? But we're talking about population health. And and so we have to have that momentum, we have to have that hope that things can be better, because that that's what our field is about, you know, looking at problems and, and, and deep rooted problems and, and how we can implement um, solutions. Um, I think our field has learned that transactional approaches don't work anymore because that doesn't fix the the problem, but transformational ones do. But we also have to give us that grace that it, it might not be tomorrow or the day after. We might not even um, see the change, but we've tried our best and, and hopefully we're leaving this world a much better place for the next generation. It really resonates with me because I remember coming into the College of Public Health and within the first couple of months of just being in the public health setting, it was very encouraging, right? Everyone is trying to do better for the community. Even if you have different ideas or different views of how to get there, the focus is we want to make this world a better place. And being part of that community and part of that push is really powerful and motivating. And I can see how that's a very good place to ground yourself as you know, being a naturally positive person too helps as well. When you're thinking about your transition as a student, right? You go from a master's to a PhD. For the folks who are either finishing their master's right now or are starting it out and are considering the many pathways before them, 
What do you think was the selling point for the PhD side of things? Was it great? I get to have more experiences with the awesome people in public health or, or was there something else driving you within there? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I would say to um, students that are listening is that I've always had practical experience throughout my undergrad to my master's to my PhD. So that practical experience is important. I was able to jump from my master's to my PhD because I did take two years between my bachelor's and my um, NPH to, to work, right? So I think that, you know, that's something very important is to find a balance between, you know, the different degrees that you pursue and, and getting that practical experience because it helps solidify what you want to do, right? And so I think, you know, my MPH, for example, was funded by the National Institute of Health, but that was also because it's seen also some of the experiences I had as an undergrad, um, the the, the willingness to just, you know, try out the different internships and and whatnot. And even during my master's um, in public health, I was very intentional about um, different experiences, you know, whether it's domestically or internationally to really solidify the direction in which I wanted to go into. So by the time I I got to my PhD, it was just, it was also because I didn't want to go back to school. You know, I just said, let me just get this over with, you know, because I knew that once I started really my career in public health, I I just didn't want school to be another um, barrier. So I think just making sure that you, you know, one has a sense of what they want to do um, long term um, before pursuing their PhD, because sometimes you you pursue your PhD, but then you don't utilize your PhD, you know, and that's not good. So you want to you want to really make sure that that's you, you understand what you want to want to do long term. Just to build on there, a lot of students do listen to this podcast. What piece of advice can you give to us students navigating, you know, the early career, or even if we're debating going back to school? I would say do something that you're passionate about. I don't go to work every day. Like I, even on days I'm tired, it's very easy for me to get up and come to work because I am doing something I'm passionate about. So this is not a job. Um, for me. And so it just, it gives me great reward to be in my position and help. And so I I say that, you know, define what you're truly passionate about and you will have a career and it will not be one of those that you're dreading every single day to go to, but it it will give you um, reward and and it, it just helps with your overall quality of life. Within that, you know, we know that the COVID-19 pandemic really dominates a lot of public health right now. It seems to be the only thing on the airwaves, but we know that there's a bunch of other things happening in public health right now. And I imagine even before the pandemic, you were interested in other parts of public health too, besides COVID-19. What really for you stuck out in the field of public health that you said, I really want to make my mark here. I really want to get involved in this area. This is what drives me towards the field. Is there a specific topic or theme? You know, um, being public policy oriented for me has been public health infrastructure from 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 day one. I and and that's why I applied for this um, job. The the board of health was looking for someone that would help to restructure the the health department, and so I I thought this 
wow, what a great opportunity to actually be able to um, implement your vision, you know, of what a local health department can do. And so, so it's been exciting because you look at our infrastructure, you look at strategies to implement, you know, sustainable funding for public health. So what does that mean when there's barriers to federal and national funding, right? Or, or at the state level um, funding, right? So how can we build momentum so that there's um, uh, funding sustainability for local um, public health. And right now, you know, we've, you know, engaged our community foundations. Um, They love the work we do. They recognize, you know, the importance of the health department. And so we've had sustainable funding from them in terms of the, the grant. So looking at workforce development, you know, the field of public health has drastically changed over the years, right? But we have long term employees that do also need the, the the training and the necessary tools to to equip themselves to you know what what's coming ahead and so I think you know those are the kind of things that that really um, get to me being able to listen to the community and hear what their concerns are so again it's not just about data data can say one thing but you have to also listen for example, here we have three robust actually healthcare system. We have a federally qualified healthcare system. We have um, People's Community Clinic and then Unity Point and, and Mercy One. But you'll see it, our data shows that some of the barriers is access to healthcare. And so you're wondering with these three great entities, like why is access to healthcare an issue, right? And so we have to do more research to understand what, what is the barrier to this access, you know, is it navigation? Is it that people don't understand, you know, the healthcare system? It's it's a very complex system. So so those are the things that motivate me. Um, and 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 really behind me are geniuses. I just have that the the opportunity to lead. But honestly, we have a, a very great staff um, um, here, um, and so I just it makes my my life easier. Looking at your journey, whether it's in relation to public health or not, what is one thing you thought you knew but were later wrong about? I thought I knew that if I explain the problem and that people understand the problem and get on board with the solution. So I have been very surprised at how public health has been politicized. You know, we're taught in behavioral health, like just educate, just inform, just give people the tools. Hearing how masking became such a big issue. Um, so I think that, you know, for me, it's just like human beings are, are very complex. And, and so I've learned a lot about the complexities of us as a society. Um, and so those are the things that have been very difficult to wear. And I think that's the positive my positive nature that a little bit naive in the sense that, you know, I'm just hoping we all get along and it doesn't naturally happen that way. So those, those have been the, the very um, lessons learned and, and difficult moments for me. I think, I think you go in with different expectations and, and we were talking about this with Aaron earlier, right? The tabletop simulation idea of I'm going into a tabletop simulation. Let me put down everything that I think about for the influenza pandemic and what it can look like. And then COVID came along and changed everything. And it's been very similar in the sense of communication, right? It's, it's when you have a 
a novel coronavirus versus something that we're all familiar with traditional influenza or measles or stuff like that. That's it's just different. And the response has really been different across those pathways. So public health as communicators, it's really been our job to navigate how best we reach folks, regardless of where their stances or their equity or anything along those lines. Making those bridges is really what our field is about. I do really do want to thank you for coming on today because it was fantastic to talk with you. I really enjoyed all of your insights and we wish you luck in the upcoming months battling the coronavirus and enjoying your role. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. That's it for this episode of From the Front Row. Big thanks to our guest, Dr. Nafisa Cisse-Boigne for coming on today. This episode was written and hosted by Alexis Clark and Steve Lansagne. This episode was edited and produced by Steve Lansagne. You can find more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud as the University of Iowa College of Public Health. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Our team can be reached at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Keep on keeping on out there.